Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcast Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the films of 1999, lost in a hotel lobby here in 2021. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybart. And I'm Phyllis Gove. And with us again is the great Jared Weisselman. Thank you for coming back, Jared. It's been way too long. I agree. Thank you so much for having me back, especially to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. Whatever the film is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's right. Good. (laughs) (laughs) we. Well, you know, this is our second Michelle movie of the year. This is the better of the two. Third. Midsummer Night's Oh, I'm sorry. So this is this is you're right. This is the this is the second Michelle vehicle. 
Correct. Yeah. We've done. This is the second best of three that we've done. Yes. yes. Uh, when, you, when you when you guys chose 1999, were you intentionally doing it to choose the three worst Michelle Pfeiffer films rever- released in a single year possible, or what? It's. I mean, yes. yes, that was one of the reasons we decided to do this podcast. Yes. Just Still to highlight Michelle, and just wanted to talk about how bad she is. <laughs> You're going to give uh, people, yeah. young people the wrong impression of my favorite actress, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, but but I will say this. One of the joys of doing the 89 Patreon was getting to talk for three hours about Fabulous Baker Boys. So it all kind of yes. works out. Okay. It balances right. out a little all bit. Right. That well, was fabulous. Good. Well, that's good. Yes. That was fabulous, yeah. Uh, this uh, so this is this is your third. Uh, I mean, you've come on to talk about Sex and the City with me on the on yes. the side, but uh, this is your third film. We've done yes. Drop Dead Gorgeous, The yes. Haunting, and yes. Deep End of the Ocean. It Real feels spectrum. like we're going down in quality in terms <laughs> of films. I really hope the next time, if you ask me, back, that's going to be great. great. I think this is much better than The Haunting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a different kind of haunting. So you know, it is a different kind of haunting. It is. Um, I yeah. I, am I going to like be the... This is weird. I'm going to defend this I film? feel like you're going to defend this movie a little bit. What's I'll, I'll happening? Just, I'll say right. this. Because we were texting. Kenny and I were texting a little bit. And I was sort of sussing yeah. out that Kenny didn't hate this movie. Hate's sure. a very strong word. Of I course. think that, that this movie's issue ultimately really is the direction. I don't actually think the script is that bad. And I don't think that the actors in the movie are bad by any means. It's the direction that's wonky. I, I I would agree with you. I mean, I think of all of those things, the direction is very movie of the week, which makes it yes, feel yes. lighter than it is, yes, right? Like yes. the colors, the setting. It's just, yeah, yeah. but I also do wonder, like, how do you do a film about this that doesn't feel that way, right? About a family living in suburbia who has a child disappear in the late early in the mid nineties. It's it's yeah. um it, it's it's tough. It's a tough needle to thread. But I will also say the script, especially in the beginning, is not great. Like there's it's the great. it's not great. I mean I mean Treat Williams within two minutes of this movie starting is saying like you lose your head if it wasn't attached. Like what is this writing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, no, like, I agree with that. I think it's just it's very flat. Like even yeah. in moments yes. of of real like tension, like Kenny, I was yeah. thinking about you as uh, as the movie opened because I can only imagine that as a parent, the only parent on this uh, podcast right now that, <laughs> that we know we're, of. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be presumptuous, uh, but. Uh, that's like we're talking worst nightmare scenario. Like there's of course, nothing, of course. nothing more horrific. And yet, I feel like they, the, you know, to to sort of dive into it, the sequence or the scene when she loses her child is not as scary or tense or or as sort of uh, awful as I imagined it could be. I guess this is where I start defending the movie. Great. Um, this is so. I've I've never really lost a kid. Uh, the closest I've come. Really? Well, I, the really really qualifier because yeah. if you ask my kids, I, I should bring one of them in here. Uh, they they'll claim that I lost. They'll claim that I lost my son when he was about four or five at uh-huh. a um, at a community theater presentation of the little mermaid in Simi Valley. And sure. during it during intermission we went to go get snacks and obviously it's full who doesn't want to go see uh little mermaid at Simi Valley. Sure. And for like 
less than one second, I lost my child. Like I lost him in a group of people. <laughs> when I went to, I went to get snacks with both right. children, returned with one child. And okay. then my wife is like, where is Rollins? And I'm like, I mean, obviously he's here, but like, yes, I go get him. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and I go find him and he's like crying. Sure, um, sure. So like, here's, the, here's the thing. Obviously he's here is an you, amazing response. You start with, I'm like, give me a fucking break. Like, of course he's here. She's like, no, not until you show him to me. So here's the thing. You don't start with panic. You start oh. the way she started. You start right. with like, obviously he couldn't have gone far. Right. Okay. And even then you're like, even then you're like, all right. So like maybe, you know, these kids are morons. who just like fall down, you know, manholes. You're like, right. maybe he went on the elevator. Maybe he got like, got, got excited and saw someone he thought was like interesting and followed them. But like, they are like kids. The idea that like the, the, the worst case scenario thing, I think you're alluding to maybe kidnapping, but that really doesn't like come into your mind. Like, it's like, is he going to walk outside and get it by a car? My kids wouldn't. Like, I guarantee you that my kids are looking for me, right? If I lose my kid, like they're looking for me and I'm looking for them. And maybe, you know, there are other kids who wandered off. So that's what I actually like, liked about it was right away. Like there's that initial, like, I'm sure he's somewhere. Then like, it's weird that he's not. Then like, all right, I guess I got to tell someone, but what they play really well is the utter humiliation you feel at that point. Sure. Right. Sure, sure, like, sure, sure, sure. Yep. It, it is not panic yet. It is yeah. like everyone is going to know I am a bad parent. So right, then right, she right. tells her friend and then they announce it. And then like it's over. And there is she, I think, again, like you, you guys both said the performance was good. I, I agree because I think Michelle Pfeiffer plays really well. Like yes, those, yes. those competing urges within you, yeah. which is like, um, I fucked up. Which is very hard to deal with. And then right. also, like, I have to get over that very fast because we have a crisis. And right. I, what I'm, what I'm, yeah, what I'm trying to get is like, from the outside, it's so easy to be like, yeah, get over it. Your kid's missing. Yeah. But like, it's not that easy to like get over that feeling of like, this is my fault. And like, this I, is humiliating. I don't, I don't doubt that. And I, and I do agree with you that I, that, that Michelle Pfeiffer does a good job at that. There's a lot of good stuff here. I don't mean to suggest that this movie isn't dealing with some interesting ideas. I never read the book. So just to be above board, I don't know the book. I read into the book to find out how it differs because it is different from the movie. The ending of the book is, is a lot more ambiguous. Um, there, there isn't the sort of, uh, reunion-esque kind of component that wraps up the film. That was how the film was originally shot. It was shown to test audiences. It did not test well. They decided to do a significant amount of reshoots, um, which to the film's credit, I would say I didn't feel. Like, we've all seen movies where there's a lot of reshoots and you feel the reshoots. You feel like the movie is kind of sure. shifting sands and weird. This movie didn't feel that way, so that's a testament to the fact that I guess they did a good job. Or the entire movie is uneven no matter what, and it kind of can't tell really where <laughs> also, those things Also are possible. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I imagine, and we've talked a lot, Kenny, about adaptations. Um, you know, There have been a lot of them in 99 and in 89 as well, but um, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do. The translation of what people saw in their head, uh, lots of hit books that people imagined a whole movie in their minds, and the movie is not 
a uh, you know a, a, an effective uh, realization of that. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe this book that the tonal shifts that seemed crazy to me <laughs> might have worked in the book. I, I would agree with you. And I would also think the other thing, you know, there's there's some books like procedurals where it's a little more straightforward. I think a mm-hmm. book like this, I would imagine, I'm not a reader, but I would imagine there's a lot of internal monologuing. Yes, yes. There's a lot of, you know, self-description. And so, and I think describing emotions is really um, meaty to do, but I think like experiencing them in a scene sometimes feels less pleasurable, right? When you, when you have, when you read a character and their thought process and they're going through all the things, like even the, even, you know, even Bethy, um, which I always had a really hard time with that. Every, everyone in the movie calls her Bethy. That seems really weird to me. Her name is Bethy's Beth. ne- I've never heard anyone called Bethy in my life. N- never in my life. They, and, but it's like, you know, they do it in um, Mayor of Easttown. One of yes, the characters they, named Bethy, oh, and it makes me want right. to jump off a roof too. I was <laughs> with you guys. It's an absurd it, name. It's yeah. crazy because yeah. her name is Beth, and so if it was just Treat's character, and this was like their cute nickname, that would be one thing. But like sure. everyone in the movie calls yeah. her Bethy, as if she's Weird. some child who needs you know taking know. care of, which right. might have been the intention, but it did not play. Bethy Correct. is a more ridiculous name than Treat. <laughs> yes, I would agree. That's how dumb it is. I would agree. Right? I mean, I love Treat. I don't love him this movie, I, to be honest. But yeah, I love he doesn't. Treat. He doesn't really have much to do in this yeah. movie. But I'll just say that I do think so. Michelle Pfeiffer apparently read this book, chased after this book, wanted to wanted to adapt this. Uh, she didn't produce the film, I don't believe, but she was. This was very much a thing that she that she read and she wanted to do. And I think that speaks to what what you're saying, Jared, of like, if I read this, if I was Michelle Pfeiffer and read it, I'd feel like I was inside the head of this character. I'd feel like this is something I know I can do. But then the translation of that from page to screen, it really comes down to like the plotting for me. There's like moments where significant crazy things happen that are sort of dumped either in info dumps or or just there's the movie's just really twisty and turny in odd ways that that feel at odds with the tone of the movie i don't Uh, know i would agree i mean yeah it's interesting because you know as a Michelle Pfeiffer, psychopath. You know, she's really only produced <laughs> one film in her entire, only produced which, one film in her entire one? career. One Fine Day was the only one she was oh, a credited wow. executive producer on. She has a uncredited producer credit on A Thousand Acres, which let's never watch that movie. But One Fine <laughs> yeah. Day was really the only one she dug her teeth into. And she said in interviews that she doesn't enjoy the process of producing. Right. She's like there to do a job. She loves acting. She loves finding material, but she has no desire to turn that material into the project, which I think is really interesting. I, yeah. I want to talk. Sorry, go ahead, Kenny. I, I just want to kind of point out or, or just, just quickly discuss that there are, there are stories mm. that make really it's not that they make really good novels. They're naturally novels, yes. right? And this is the kind of story that is a natural Oprah's yes. Club, Beach Read, yeah. Pass Among Your Friends type book that yeah. seems like the kind of thing that will make a good movie. You cast these kind of things in your head as you're doing it because it's very compelling on the page. Yeah. But it's so hard, particularly in our like, you know, cynical uh, society. Um, to make something this overly sincere yes. without it feeling like super 
sappy. Yes, and yes. I and and I guess what I brought to this film was like that's so baked in. We've seen a bunch of movies like that from this year. We've all seen a bunch of movies like this from our lives. I mean, I rem- you know, and I remember in the you know, mid nineties thinking Losing Isaiah was like a very good movie, and looking back, it's like a very bad movie. But like that kind of stuff was very you know i i just it's all all of that is part of like i i expect the saccharin going into this film and just ignore it i don't really think like i i think that's almost one of those um that's one of those i don't want to say like problematic because i feel like i'm 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 conflating the term but it's it's akin to a, a relic from a different time that you just have to ignore, like the the pacing, the direction, the overall, like Jarrett said, the overall movie of the week feel, which used to be an acceptable like veneer on a film, on a feature film, and just isn't anymore. Right? No, I agree with that, I, and I and I I think that you know, watching this, I was really hit with a bunch of things. The first that I, that I think is worth unpacking in a second is, is just the Michelle Pfeiffer of it all. And I want to kind of look at, at why this film doesn't really exist. You know what I mean? Like this is, she's, she's got a couple movies like that in her filmography. Sure does. She and, does. And she has a lot. She has a fair amount of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but the ones that do exist, exist very loudly. <laughs> yes. But, but I, I think that to your point, Kenny, um, it was a sign of the times to a certain degree as well, where movies like this could get made and, and, and could be as beige as beige is. Like, this is the most beige movie. I feel like uh, Story of Us is similarly like that too, yeah. where it's just like, it's, it's, it, there's nothing about this world that I would want to live in or find particularly interesting. But you know what's interesting about that film, and I do want to sort of you know yeah. obviously talk more about Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's almost one of those things, and I don't know if you're going. This is going to make a ton of sense, but if you're going to tell this story, if you're going to do this story, it's it's actually the kind of story you want to spend a lot of time with. For example, when you're reading a book, that's a lot of time. So you really get to like get into the minutia of it. You spend time in these years, you feel the passage of time, you feel her sorrow. Then you see the small growth, right? You almost move too fast in the film through the emotional experience. Like if this were a mini series, I would be more interested because it's like, okay, First episode, you actually spend a ton of time with the family and kid die, miss, uh, kid vanishes at the end of the first episode. Then it's from there, you know, with this, the, I mean, he's gone nine minutes into the movie. And so yeah. you're just immediately thrown into this crazy state and you're just having these histrionics and these emotional upheavals. And it's like, it can never go deep enough because it has to keep hitting that one hour and 45 minute running time. So you're kind of just dancing on the surface of everything that could be so much more interesting if you really dug into it over the course of a miniseries or a book as this originally was. And that's would, an interesting yes, sir, kind of, you know, that's an interesting sign of the, of those times that there, totally. if you had a prestige bit of property, you didn't have the option to do anything else. Right. Um, if you wanted to do it in a way that was going to, to, to bring you money and prestige, which is what the, all right. these people want anyway. Right. Uh, like now I think things get made into mini series that absolutely should not be made into mini series, well, you know? Sure. Yeah. But, well, Big Little Lies kind of made it, you know, this is now what the thing that you do. If you have a book, yeah. turn it into an eight hour thing and maybe yeah. get a second season. And yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I, I, I do think but, that. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sir. 
I was just I was just gonna say, you know, earlier today we did an episode on the end of the affair. I don't know if you've seen that film. Oh, sure, uh, Jared. love that movie. It's yeah. a very good movie. The reason I bring it up is a, it's it's an adaptation of a book, but also it's not linear. Part of I think mm. what hurts this movie is how straight a line it is. Like there is right. there is considering the passage of time, although you wouldn't know it from Michelle or Treat who don't age a day, even though there's a ten, almost well, a ten year. They gap actually in the did it in real life, though. I was so. going to say, has Michelle aged in ten year period? <laughs> fair, fair point. Like, yeah. come on. But that's but right. I feel you, like you did Treat Williams. That, that's they they have they very intelligently cast people who don't age. This is true. This is true. Save I on, think had they makeup. jumped around more in time, to your point, Jarrett, I think mm. what they could have done is hit harder on how these people have changed over the yeah. years. Um, but instead, the straight line of it, I think, unfortunately, makes the film that much sort of flat. You know what's like a good analogy in some ways would actually be White Oleander with Michelle Pfeiffer, which mm, she yes, made a couple yes, of years yes. after this. Not that they don't run in time as much, but you see like it, it's like there's chapters right in yes. the film. Mm-hmm. The daughter is with this parent and then she's mm-hmm. with this parent and you get these periods where she goes and visits her mother and you see the difference in her daughter over that time, her look, the way she acts, the way she you know handles her mother. And I think that's kind of the thing to your point that's missing is mm-hmm. seeing the different colors and levels of that emotional journey where here it's kind of like I'm in constant crisis. There's actually a really good line about right at the halfway mark or whenever they jump to 1999 and they're in uh, Treat Williams' new restaurant, you know, Mm -hmm. and Whoopi Goldberg is there for God knows what reason. Because they're really still good friends with the detective from their case (laughs) a decade and a half later. Who failed. I mean, who failed, failed, you know. (laughs) But she she turns to Bethy. Uh, oh, by the way, Candy Bliss. I, that's clearly Candy a name that's kept over from the book. I mean, that's that's such a book a name. Like, you know, yeah. that's like... You know, I know, it's a stripper um, name. Ah. Yeah, it's like <laughs> such, a, like such, a, that's such a book, like, yes. experience. But, totally. she, but, you know, can't Candy turns to Bethy mm-hmm. um, and says, you're doing a really good imitation of having a life. And I yeah. thought that was such an interesting, yeah. great line that obviously, again, came from the book because we don't, we know the screenwriters weren't working with much. Um, but like that to me, like, let's explore that, right? Like, let's yeah. unpack that. Like that yeah. single line was so much more interesting than anything else that happened within 20 minutes of it because you actually see someone analyzing what this person is going through and that facade that facade that they're so confident in being so transparent to those around them i think is really interesting and the movie never goes there it never goes there really and it it's <laughs> it is interesting to think about like the they the things they're interested in talking about are the marriage which right. i think is interesting and they and they do go to some interesting places within that I would say that the depiction of marriage in this film is better than the depiction of marriage in the story of us, um, which is a low bar, but, but it, but that's something. (laughs) Um, But I, I just feel like, again, just sort of passage of time and, and, and a marriage on the rocks. It does feel as though she made two films about that in the same year, which is interesting. Um, And, and I also just think that they're interested in, in talking about, um, nature versus nurture. The idea of like, what is a, is a child that is yours, you know, versus adopted or in this case, oddly kidnapped from down the street. I, I, I don't, it, there's, yeah. So, I mean, we'll get to that. But I keep, I keep yeah. thinking of, 
I mean, I keep I keep thinking of how much better this would be as a mini series, yes. and the reasons why. And it's not just be, of course, all the reasons you guys are saying it. Of course, you know the the ability to drill down on certain moments of their life and you know, really get into what what this means to the two kids, and they really kind of you know yada 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 over the Vincent of of it all. But but that I I, I think where he wound up made a lot of sense, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I, but for beyond that stuff, the tonal thing, it wouldn't have had to change much yeah. tonally to make a miniseries that people would have been comfortable with. The thing that I'm thinking is, oh, say, I, I think there are shows like this, but they always seem to have a supernatural element, right? Where some kid is gone and then comes back. And I wonder if you could really, or, or a serious crime element, like a mayor of Easttown re- reminds me of this a bit. Sure. I wonder if you can do something this kind of quiet because it would be kind of lovely. It would be a kind of good exploration of, of loss and grief and, and shame and all those things. Yeah. I think it would be amazing. I mean, you know, I think, I, I don't know if you're watching or had watched the last in treatment, like that is very, in a lot of ways, this idea of just people talking and really working through their trauma and their experiences. And, you know, the analysis of that, you know, I think could be really interesting if done well. I mean, I think now that we're talking about this as a miniseries still, you know, the idea of, you know, the, imagine the episode when, you know, Bethy discovers that the kid is living next door and they're running there and they go to the house and that episode ends. And then the entire next episode is from Cecile and George's perspective, right? Like you see that life that they had together with their son and it felt very normal. Like there's all of these interesting things that you could unpack in a different world. And I just think, you know, but to your point earlier, Kenny, like that's just not what this is and we need to stop making it like, you know, (laughs) try to be the, the thing we wish it was. Well, I, I just yeah. yes, of course, but I keep thinking about this. Yeah, why? Cool. Why, why I graded? You can write it, Kenny. Yes, of course. Let's, let's I've already it. thought. I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the I'm sure the options lapse at this. Yeah, point. you know what? I think the option is open. You, you know where we're literally Phil and I are in the process of writing something for David E. Kelly. So we'll just put this on. Oh, perfect! Great. We'll we'll, we'll just Fingers throw the. By that I mean we are presenting something to him. Something we're not to getting paid for anything yet. But <laughs> we'll just throw this on at the end. Be like, hey, uh, send us uh, over also, to your you wife. Know, maybe this, yeah, yeah. Roll over and yeah, re- and release this after wife. you pitch him, just in case he's a fan <laughs> of the pod. But uh, yeah, but yeah, right. But uh, I, so, but but I, I I keep grading this film on a curve because yeah. I feel like they did the best with what they were. Not the best, right? Not the best, but. Well, really a good job of what they were given. And it might it might also be the kind of thing where any director of any renown looked at this and said, I don't want to do this story. Like, I don't this is not this is this is this is not like for me. So they also picked someone who who the the filmmaker um Yulu Goss Grossbard, who I, I don't particularly know yeah. his work, but he did a film prior to this called Georgia with um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Mayor Winningham. Oh, Mayor uh, Winningham was nominated. Winningham yeah. was nominated for Best Supporting yeah. Actress for that. That's like a well a well yeah. reviewed. It's a, movie. it's a good movie. I like that film. I have not seen Falling in Love, True Confessions, or Straight Time, but he did have these are these are big casts. These are big yeah. you know movies, yeah. studio movies. So like it wasn't like they just went to to nobody. 
But I'll also say that from what I remember of Georgia having seen it back in like 95 or whatever, I haven't seen it recently, but like that movie actually really did capture the tension between two sisters and, and sort mm-hmm. of that, the, the push and pull of two very different sisters. You know, the scene that, that glaringly jumps out at me in this film is, uh, do you remember the, the, the Christmas scene, the family scene? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That seems rough. That seems rough yeah. because it feels stilted as hell. Everyone's delivery is really weird. It all just and 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 this is just you know this is just directing one hundred and one right. Covered particularly well. The coverage is odd. It was just it's stuff like that that jumped out at me as this just might not be the right project for this director. Well, what's interesting, and I'm now looking at his resume, you know, mm-hmm. this director is predominantly a theater director, which right. actually does make sense. You've yes. just got a lot of shots that are just kind of locked where they are. We're yep. not doing yep. a lot yep. of movement. So I could yep. see him kind of thinking, you know, what, this is like a play. We're going to do this like a play. Right. And, and you know, I don't know that it's successful as a play either, but I do right. think it makes a little more sense now that totally. you pointed that out. Totally. It would be a good play. Actually, yes. because yeah. it would be a great the the problem with this are well the problem with this is the use of exteriors is the yeah. building out of this world a little bit is you, you you do start to feel like why are we staying this this tight mm-hmm. in a world right. where there is a missing child out there you right. know I, that there it does feel like we should be seeing the you know the 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 volunteers looking through the brush and the yeah. all that all <laughs> yeah. those things yeah. that you get in right. missing ch- children movie but if you're if you shot this actually like a play with one location uh and you know had a few um you know have it had a few acts i think that'd be really yeah. interesting i, I, mean, I if, totally if agree. think about it we don't even leave the lobby when the kid goes missing, right? We stay in the lobby the entire time. Like, mm-hmm. show us a show us a, a hallway, show us a basement. Like, we know they're looking. We know we're looking for right. them, yeah. right? Like, create a sense of grandeur because it's sort of like I just think this kid is like in a corner somewhere because all I know of this building is this one room you showed me. It, you know, this movie also. I mean, this is a, this movie's got almost a forty million dollar budget, right? Like, that's not nothing in nineteen ninety nine. That's that's close to I mean, eighty million dollars today. They I could mean, have done something yeah. with that, right? Like, they could have really created. I mean, that particular scene that we talked about earlier, where where her son goes missing, goes from kind of zero to sixty, which yeah. is that you see her, and and that might very well, Kenny, to your description, might very well be the way that it would go down. I don't know. She gets pinned to the ground and sedated by sedated. EMTs. Okay, can, can we talk about is that is that legal? Like, can you just do that? <laughs> I, I, can I certainly just, can wonder. Just, I mean, this is not some like crazy, crazy <laughs> raving woman. This is yeah. a mother who lost her child, and like these yeah. medics are sedating her without any questioning of her medical yeah. history or like at all. Like, it's it was the weirdest thing. It was really. I weird. don't know. That's all. If that's all it takes to get sedated, I'm gonna hit my <laughs> my <laughs> local <laughs> hotel. Yeah, you're hopping down to the fucking yeah. you know <laughs> Howard Johnson. Yeah, I'll be in the Hojo lobby freaking out. <laughs> but, Until but, someone runs at me with some, something. But I Morphing, think that we could yeah. have seen, yeah. even I, I would have bought the sedation perhaps if there was a buildup to it in terms of a seeing right. sort of the ratcheted up, yes. you know, yes. searching and the whatever. But instead right. it was just like all of a sudden she starts screaming and crying and then they just knock right. her out. It's just like, right. whoa. 
I guess it's um, who does yeah. stink. I'm wrong. No. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to read a synopsis real quick for the people that haven't watched this. Uh, after Beth Capadoras, played by uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's youngest son, Ben, vanished in Chicago, she slowly descends into a deep depression, affecting her husband, Pat, played by Treat Williams, and her other children. Relocating to Chicago several years later, they are shocked to discover a local boy named Sam, who looks strikingly similar to Ben, along with detective Candy Bliss, played by... Whoopi Goldberg, the, the film must, the family must relive their trauma and find out the truth about Sam. The Deep End of the Ocean op, uh, opened on March 12th, 1999, in sixth, sixth place against Analyze This, Cruel Intentions, The Rage Carry to The Corrupter and Wing Commander, the real murderer's row of films that We've week. done almost every one of those. Oh, we have Rage done almost ca- every one of those. Rage now. Carry uh, 2 is so good. Sorry, that's beside the point. We did, we did it. I like it too. It. It's kind of it's really, good. It's yeah. really, like it's it. really good. It's yeah, really it's good. good. Yeah, Sorry, it's good. It's not, I know that's not what uh, I'm going to talk about. No, it's all good. Uh, it would go on to make $28 million on a $38 million budget. It has 43% Oof. on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 53 from audiences. Roger Ebert gave it one and a half stars, saying the deep end of the ocean is a painfully stolted uh, movie that lumbers past emotional issues like a wrestler in a cafeteria line, putting a little of everything on its plate. It provides big roles for Michelle Pfeiffer and Treat Williams, but doesn't provide them with the screenplay support they need. The result is that awkwardness when characters express emotions that the audience doesn't share. Eh, that might be a little bit harsh, but mm. I, I, I want to talk about Michelle Pfeiffer. Okay, um, here we go. Here we, here we go. <laughs> um, in, in 1999, as we mentioned, uh, we have covered almost all of her films. Uh, this actually is the, yes, sorry, this is the last film of hers from 99, Deep in the Ocean, Midsummer Night's Dream, Story of Us. Um, she then does What Lies Beneath in 2000, which is obviously a big hit. Um, she does I Am Sam in 2001, White Oleander 2002. Um, then she kind of like goes away for about uh, four years or so. She does Hairspray, Stardust, Sherry, um, Dark Shadows, People Like Us. I mean, I think that there are two performances of hers over the last few years that I think really stand out. The first is mm. Mother. Um, yes. I think she's great in Mother. So uh, good. And I think she's great in The Wizard of Lies um, as yep, Ruth is. Madoff. Mm. Um, and I absolutely adored French Exit, as anyone who follows me on Twitter will know. Um, so but I kind of want to talk about this moment in her career where it yeah. does feel like She's huge in the 80s and early 90s. And then as, as an aficionado of Michelle Pfeiffer, do you think that it's, that it's the roles like that she's choosing, the stuff that's coming towards her? Or do you think it's just sort of maybe perhaps a, a little of her age-wise falling into some sort of a purgatory? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, if you think about it like this, you know, she's now in her mid 40s, something like that. And think about the movies that are getting made in the early 2000s, right? There's not a lot of this sort of demographic being catered to. It's a ton of teen movies. Like that's the primary thrust. It's a ton of action movies. It's a ton of like male fronted ransom kind of films. And I don't really know what space, you know, like the leading women of the time occupied. If you look back, you know, Jodie Foster at the time or Jessica Lange at the time, like they're really not part of the conversation. You have Julie Roberts still doing rom-coms. You know, you had My Best Friend's Wedding coming out in 99, right? 97. 97. We we had Notting Hill and uh, and Yes, thank you. So she's still on that 
trajectory, which was never Michelle Pfeiffer's strong suit, even though who wouldn't fall in love with Michelle Pfeiffer? The other thing that comes into play, and this is where I'm going to get a little crazy, is this is when she's like at peak having both of her children, right? Right. She gave birth, she was pregnant with her son filming Dangerous Minds and then went right into all of these other things. And and then she, so she adopted her daughter and then got pregnant when she met David E. Kelly. And so we're now talking about having five and six-year-olds at the time of this pause. And so basically what she had said was, I just wanted to raise my kids. They moved to their farm, I think in Montana. I want to say as much of this as I know without sounding like a stalker. Um, (laughs) But, you know, this is like sort of that point in her life when she did choose family over career. And I, but I do think there was also a lack of opportunity that allowed her to make that choice. Yeah, it's uh, so um I just recently did an episode on uh on Premier Magazine uh where we where uh myself and two guests covered every single issue of of 1999 and one of them uh, is the Women in Hollywood epi- uh issue and she is on the cover and there's a pretty lengthy article with her in there where she's talking about how you know I'm I'm turning a new leaf I've got what lies beneath coming out and I am Sam and White Oleander like those are those are big movies yeah. um you know White Oleander and I am Sam are kind of Oscar plays depending on how you yeah. look at it yeah. well, um, I am Sam got like I two would, or three, I think, yeah. right? And yes. I would say I would say this is two. Yes. I think she thought sure. it would have been. I think she yeah. thought it was gonna be for Could sure. have been, yeah. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. Same with story of us, maybe. Like I, in a better I agree world. with that yeah. too. I agree I mean, with that. I mean, listen, if you see Rob Reiner writing a story about a marriage falling right. apart, you're like, this is gold. Yeah. yeah. How can this not work? It, it doesn't didn't. work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I do think that, you know, it wasn't that she didn't care about her career, but to your totally. point. Her family was obviously paramount to her and she was sort of juggling these two things. Um, I also just wonder as well about like, it's pretty clear that she kind of wants to make character-based things, right? Like she wants she wants the meaty characters to sink her teeth into. And to your point, there's not a lot of them for women in their early to mid 40s. She's one of those actors who I believe is the character actor trapped in the body of the leading lady, right? She's sure. so good sure. when, I mean, truly, yeah. like, if you think about it, like, her best work, her weirdest work, you know, you've got Catwoman, you've got Suki Richmond in Witches of Eastwick, you've got Married mm-hmm. to the Mob. Like, Angela DeMarco, to me, is, like, such yes. a character performance. Yes. Like, the, the things so that really stand out, you okay. know, are these, like, really interesting, weird offbeat people. White Oleander, Ingrid and that is such an example of such an odd choice for her. I mean, she's ostensibly this just monster, but like she's, yeah, yeah, like relishing it. And so I think it's probably a little bit difficult when you look like Michelle looks, but you're maybe your tastes skew a little left of center and you, but you do, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong. She's made all of the movie star choices too, right? Like she's not sitting here. It's like not like Michelle Pfeiffer and Margot Martindale fighting over roles. I think that (laughs) I think that, yeah. like, she does have that inclination a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I wanna, yeah. I mean, she. I also think, like, this was around the time when you started to hear a lot of Hollywood doesn't know, and you guys said it too. Hollywood yes. doesn't know what to do with women over forty. Yep. Yep. As a person yep. who is right around forty and married to a person over forty, that seems incredibly weird to me now. Sure. Additionally, you look at the you know the film landscape, and forty year olds are you know forty year old actresses are essentially playing people starting their careers out. The thing, <laughs> the point I want to make out of the point I want to make about Michelle Pfeiffer is Michelle Pfeiffer is playing moms in this, and she's playing a mom in Story of Us and Mom and White Oleander. 
she never physically aged into that. Like it really is a weird thing. Like there's a cognitive dissonance for Hollywood, which was you've been around for like 15 years and you should be playing moms now, but you also look like this. What do we do? What do we do? Right? <laughs> These days, like you straight up, you can still I, I understand Marissa Tomei is playing moms. Marissa Tomei is playing like bombshells still right yeah Yeah. like you can straight up have women in their mid-50s who are playing bombshells because we've advanced a little bit more to understand people come in different shapes and sizes um but so i think she weirdly more than maybe any other actor i can think of fell victim to this like um i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Women 40 plus have to look a certain way or else we just don't know how to do with it. And ooh, gross, the idea of someone over 40, a woman over 40 having sex, you know, like ooh, gross. So unless it's it's like like an old people movie. Well, it's like that line from First Wives Club when Goldie Hawn's like, there's three ages for women in Hollywood, babe, district attorney and driving Miss Daisy. Right. Like, and that's exactly what it is. It's like, that's all they know how to do with you. And this, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, we're talking 99. So if we're at the beginning of this Hollywood, not knowing what to do with women, I think it was like 2004 when Glenn Close did the shield, which was revolutionary at the time Mm because movie stars didn't like, did not do television. And then Mm -hmm. she did damages and she changed the entire tenor of the industry when they realized like, Oh, there's all this opportunity in this other medium that is just as good. And I think this was kind of the beginning of those dominoes falling in terms of people cluing into the fact of that. They just don't know what to do with us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing what lies beneath in the theater and there's yeah, like I think there's like one scene of them in bed together and they're yes. like kissing before they have sex. Mm-hmm. And you could feel in the audience that people were like, This is gross. Like, why are they like they're old? Like it's and and by the way, they're not. And also they're both I, gorgeous people. So like hot. what are we talking how, how about? Here? In that movie? I don't know if I that's know. how people felt. Like maybe in your I'm audience, not saying that man, I'm, not, I'm just saying the, that the in that I'm audience, making. yeah, there that, was but my point is that back then, I think that there was that. Fe- I think that you watch that now, and my, you're like, "These my are two- point is my point is the opposite of that. My point is that it's not gross, and Hollywood just didn't get it. Like that's that's like the, the, I'm, I'm in, saying that in 2000, when I was sitting in a theater in 2000, I believe I think that, you, that people. I believe that- you think I did I not feel it. that they were gross. I'm no, just saying that the people that, <laughs> that I was but, with and the people in that theater. But I know what you're saying, Kenny. No, I think that. I, I think that it's 
I think it's sexy, but I think we also, you know, in, in 1999, Jennifer Coolidge was what in her fucking early 40s or yeah. whatever, and she's playing old Stifler's mom. So it was yeah, like, a, it was, yeah. it was like, it was like a joke sex character. Yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. no, the, we people were certainly conditioned mm-hmm. to think of any woman over 40 as like if they're going to have sex, it's a big joke. But yep. I always thought Michelle Pfeiffer was the exception to that. <laughs> I mean, Michelle I Pfeiffer think- is the exception. But I also think too, and you kind of tapped on this. Both of you have been talking about this a little bit, which is she's almost too beautiful for her own good on some oh, she's level. Too beautiful to live. I mean, <laughs> she's just truly, like she's I just. Would, but but that's always the thing. It's like you know. Yeah. It's like you. Do you believe her as like a ranch hand in a thousand acres? Do you believe <laughs> her as a public school teacher in Dangerous Minds? Like. There are these elements of, do you believe yeah. her as like the dowdy secretary who gets thrown yeah. out a window? You know, it's like, it, there or is. Or the waitress yes. in Frankie yes. and Johnny. I believe her right. as that. I believe yeah, her as the I mean, I Selena Kyle, the nerd. But. I mean, I believe her as all of those things. But what I'm saying is yeah. like, I think when we're watching a movie, we kind of are already checking that reality at the door. Sure. I mean, like people just don't look like this. And if they do look like this, they make movies playing us. You right, know what right, I mean? Right, like, right, right. right. Do, you, do you want to know how old Jennifer Coolidge was when she made American Pie? I mean, I mean it's like 34. I want to kill was, myself. She was 38. That's I, want, I want to I'm kill. Gonna... I want to kill everybody. That's how I feel. That's a nightmare. I want to. I want to also, kill the world. That they that a 38 year old was was like some old part in the language yeah. milf. Like, <laughs> come on. Ugh. That's a nightmare. Jennifer Coolidge, by the way, just but, absolutely murdering it on White Lotus right now. Just I like, mean, it's, 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 she, she, that scene where she closes the door on the guy and then kind of opens it again. No, it's, it's, so like, it's that little character work is genius. But, <laughs> genius. but going back to what we're saying, you know, yes, to yes. tie this all sort of together, yeah. you know, American Pie 99, these movies 99. This is yeah. also the, the height of TRL and like the teen, Brittany, you know, Christina, like the skinniest, the youngest, like, you know, this is what is popular right now. And so I think the idea that if the energy in the industry and in culture is with young, hot girls, a a 38-year-old Jennifer Coolidge does look 52 in a film. Michelle Pfeiffer, like, you know what I mean? Like they don't know what to do with these actresses who Mm -hmm. don't look like that and shouldn't look like that. And Mm -hmm. so I think it all kind of plays into like the sexist, disgusting Hollywood of that time, of now, up until, you know, I mean, who knows? But I think it's just that entirely misogynistic culture that they all of these things kind of coexisted in that led to all of these decisions being made. I agree. I I also wonder too, you know, just sort of thinking in my head about kind of the decades leading up to, to, to this one and, and would this film have been better? And I put that in quotation marks, but more suited for an earlier decade. Um, mm. I, there, there's there's a, a a 70s or 80s version of this movie yeah. that I think is a lot more interesting. And I think that it just, to sort of what we're talking about, it, it doesn't really fit in the late 90s in this way. Um, and if it was made today, as we said, it would probably be a miniseries on HBO or something like that. We were, you're, you're right. This is, we were, this is not the Fish nor Fowl in 1999, right? Like we were yep. beyond this type of yep. filmmaking as a culture and we had not yet yep. gotten to the place where we, where we can, you know, where, pe- where people were secure enough yes. to go to television and right, do this right. over eight episodes, right? right. So I, I think the, I think the, the 1980, like this reminds me a little bit of ordinary people. 
like the 1981 Mm -hmm. version of this. Yes. That's exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Um, with you know, with with a grainier film stock and yep. worse sound quality, might have just yeah, more felt better. <laughs> yeah, or you know, just <laughs> time appropriate costumes yeah. might have felt right. Yep, yep. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 it, it does feel very. That's a really good comp. I think ordinary people is one of those things that, you know, that that hit a vein, obviously, um, in its time. Um, I, I, I think Ordinary People is an excellent movie, and I also think that if anybody watched it today, you have to take it with a giant grain of salt okay. that it was made forty years ago. For sure, you know. For sure. Um, I, I want to talk about the Capadoras for a second here. Um, do, do they seem like a particularly Italian family to you? Do they? Do they? Do they read as Italian to you? I, I, I love real names like that, though. That's a good name. That's, that's, <laughs> it is a good name. Um, and the restaurant is looks straight out of like, I don't even know what. I mean, like, is that like a Maggiano's? It's like, it's like every mall. It's like, it's barely a macaroni grill, if we're being honest. Like... <laughs> It's it's it's, it's something. It's it's. it's something. I just like that he has a dance floor. Like then he thinks yes, that that's yes. going to be the draw. All these people are looking yeah. at, still looking to dance yeah. on Saturday nights. Yeah, but I really did appreciate that. Even though he was stolen, he still learned an Italian routine from his <laughs> stolen parents. <laughs> just not just not the right Italian routine to do his so weird. His so weird ceremony. I know. Weird. I know. It was very strange. I. I will say this about the Capadoras. Um, yes. <laughs> Jonathan Jackson, who plays older Vic, Victor. Vincent. No. Vincent. Vincent, thank you. Um, everything he's in is phenomenal. Like, I mean, I know he does not in a ton, but like I was a general hospital person growing up. He was lucky. He was amazing. He was on National. He was amazing. He feels like an actor who got a little bit screwed by his generation because mm-hmm. he didn't fit in with the idea of what like that i don't know like that 17 18 like year old actor was supposed to be yeah the wb actor parent yeah Yeah. Yeah, exactly but he's a good looking kid he is a good looking kid and you know you know what else i liked play basketball (laughs) 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 both of them could kind of both totally like ben could play like a like a 12 year old who you know is just so annoying that he can actually hit outside shots and Vincent clearly <laughs> Vincent clearly could play but yes. not that that matters but it mattered a lot to me <laughs> oh, I, 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 but that, it makes that scene work though because I, I, I'm, it's I'm, so I'm sure important like to me, the Kenny, movie yes. when yeah. they when you know they can't play and they're just cutting to ways to make it look right. like they can play they yeah. look like they, you know, like they can play it drives me nuts you would never cast someone <laughs> to be a singer who can't sing so like just get someone who can play the sport. Oh, well, I will say my version of that, it's obviously not sports related, but when you see people in movies who are pretending to smoke, it's the most annoying thing. (laughs) Where you just like see them and they like, first of all, they're holding it like they've never held something in their hand before, like a 1920s cigarette. And they're just like, and then you see them never inhale, like actually inhale. And then like, they're like, I mean, pack a day. What can I tell you? And it's like, you've never inhaled a cigarette (laughs) in your entire life. You think I was a crazy person, right? So I, first of all, when I used to smoke, because I didn't smoke a lot, when I used to smoke, I always, I picked up my smoking from this like kid that I thought was very cool when I was 16 Uh, and he was 17. And he used to smoke like this. 
So that's how I always smoked. I remember that. Like for this. Some, I remember and that. Then, <laughs> and then what that led to is I now sometimes I drink my water like this. Why? And my daughter, and my daughter, I have a messed up mouth. This is how I smile. Oh, I mean, okay. I've but never thought daughter, of it as messed up, but sure. My daughter called me on it. My daughter's like, Daddy, this is how you drink. <laughs> of course it was your daughter that called you on it, by the way. Of she course is. it's Layla. It's like, let me show everyone in the family drinks. Daddy drinks like this. <laughs> but it's like, but I, I, I do think that. I do think you're, you, to to um, go back to what you were saying, Jared, about Jonathan Jackson in this film, yeah. who I would actually argue that Vincent kind of gets the short end of the stick in terms of the character. Like, I think that there's more to be yes. mined there. Yeah. Um, and again, Which is this ironic given the fact even the parents don't give him enough. The film doesn't give him enough either. It's true. No, it's true. But I agree yeah. with you. Phil. But he also has, I would argue, two of the best scenes in the movie. Okay. which are both the jail scenes. The mm. scene he has with Michelle Pfeiffer and then the scene he has with Ben or Sam or whatever yeah. you want to call him at the end. From, from Smart House, Phil. From Smart House. Much yes. better in this than Smart House. Right. Right. Covered, right. <laughs> yes. We covered Smart House a couple weeks ago. Uh, oh the God. Disney the Disney movie. Sure. Uh, he's, uh, he's much better <laughs> in this than he was in Smart House. Yes. Um, also star Final Destination bar. 3 with Mary Liz said not the point. Please. Is he in that one? <laughs> The third one, yeah, he's the boy. And he's the main that. guy. I think he's pretty good in this movie, dude. I, I think, think he is too. I think Ben Sam is pretty good. Yeah. I think he is yeah. too. I think he plays some really interesting like yeah. levels. He's got some interesting stuff to do. Um, and he can I think there are also basketball. <laughs> yes, he, can, he, he, well, he dances in Smart House. He's pretty good. He does dance in Smart House. <laughs> Everyone dances in Smart House. The kid's pretty good. Yeah, the kid's all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. You just take our word for it, Jared. I uh, will. <laughs> but I, I do think that um, that the Ben-Beth stuff is mm-hmm. interesting and yeah. in terms of how they kind of, they're sort of circling <clears throat> each other. Um, but there is the scene with the cedar box. Yes. Um, which plays there's a reveal later but that scene they're both less michelle more more uh ryan merriman uh it feels a little like monica and david from ai (laughs) they're both (laughs) kind of got this energy of just like not understanding how to relate to each other in a way uh that made me think that that ryan merriman might have been a good david a few years uh, a few years later but mm-hmm. uh but i but i do think that uh that the the capadoras as a family i'm not entirely sure i bought them as a family unit no i i if you had told me they stole all those children and never had sex, <laughs> I that for sure <laughs> for sure yeah, I think it's that, true. I think I think it's diff. I think it's probably difficult from both from a screenwriting perspective to show you why a family is together when you're joining them at the part of their time of their life where the family is falling apart. Right. I think that's a difficult thing for a screenwriter to manage. You you know you have the basically that very first scene in the house when she's running around and they're being cute and that's it. And then from there on out, it's fights it's tension it's you know coldness both and then the way they treat poor vincent as a child you know and then and so it's like the whole movie is about the family you're not really sure like what's keeping them together is it this idea that they've been bonded by tragedy but also at the same time there's a really interesting note too that michelle plays a couple of times 
that I think is very overt, but also very intelligent is she like, she pulls away from Vincent as a child before he ever pulls away from her. Right. You see that she's like, I know I'm, I'm mad at my son and, and it's, and it's done in very subtle ways before it becomes really (laughs) overt and aggressive. Um, But I don't know how you make a family feel loving or engaged or united or tied together when their entire experience is about fracturing. That's that's completely fair, uh, and 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 it, it it does again come back to sort of this uh, adaptation and perhaps yeah. an unadaptable book, certainly into a movie. Um, mm-hmm. I want to just talk about a couple of the the significant plot turns because I think we have to unpack some of them because they make very little sense to me. And I hope <laughs> that you guys can make sense of them for me. I, I doubt it. Um, so the first one and the, the most significant one, of course, is that an old not friend, but high school peer of Michelle Pfeiffer's goes to this high school reunion, steals Michelle, kidnaps Michelle Pfeiffer's child, brings this child home and, and raises it as their own. Correct. Yes. Husband doesn't wonder where child came from. Meets husband doesn't exist. He meets her after she's that already stolen it. the okay. child. I must have missed that part. Yes, okay. It, okay. It's done in a very quick sentence that Detective okay. Candy Bliss says yeah. some little, little, a lot of revealing in. Okay. Because yes, I didn't catch right. that yeah. part. Okay. Yes. So that's on me. Um, we then have a poor, so uh, the kid comes to, to mow their lawn. Ben comes to mow their right. lawn. Sam, Ben, whatever. Michelle Pfeiffer proceeds to take a whole bunch of pictures of him from an upstairs window. And the kid's just waving like it's totally normal. Yeah. I take pictures. That's, that's my job. <laughs> I'm taking pictures that's of leaves. That's money. what I do. It was really <laughs> weird. Keep mowing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, was so weird. Cool job, man. Like- <laughs> <laughs> I love those. I want to be a leaf photographer when I grow up too, lady. Like, the, not only weird. that, the leaves in her own backyard. Yeah, it's, it's, right. Right. <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, but what a cush gig. Could you imagine someone paid you yeah. just to take photos of leaves in your own backyard? <laughs> yeah. Sweet job. Well, keep going, Phil. Where are you going with this? So, okay. So that was, that was, she takes pictures of him. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird, um, but it is what it is. The, the significant, thing that I don't understand is they move. So it's, there's a nine year jump. They move to Chicago, right? But the kid is kidnapped from somewhere else. Or is it also within Chicago? Milwaukee. I believe it was Milwaukee. Where the hotel was. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I guess you're right. I, all right. So they're from Madison. Right. The reunion was in Milwaukee. I, okay. I, I could be fully making that up, but I thought I saw. No, there's no way you're making I, that up. I trust. I trust. I mean, you. I, I, thought, could, I could be. But, but doesn't it seem Milwaukee, like a coincidence that this fit, that, that the kid just course. happens to be a couple doors down? Yes. Yes. It's insane. It's it's <laughs> it's it's, it's the worst part of the, the movie. Insane. Okay. Like like like. <laughs> it's a disaster. Because like that must be how it happens in the book, which is also yes. crazy. Yes. I one. Be, I mean, like, truly, there's no rationale for it, honestly. It's it's probably, like, the biggest plot contrivance in the history of cinema. 
I don't know. It's the biggest it's plot contrivance we've seen. Yes. Yeah. It's one of those things that people would say, you know, if this happened in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. And guess what? Yeah. It's in a movie and I don't believe it. So, <laughs> like, you can't just put shit in. You can't, yes, you can't, you can't use have. the rules of like some crazy shit happens yeah. in real life in movies. Uh, as you know, some very smart screenwriter says, uh, coincidence works for premise and coincidence doesn't work for resolution. Um, yeah, I mean. it, all movies are basically started on coincidence. That's fine. That's the premise of a movie, but you can, that is not a buy I am willing to accept. I am I knocking you a few points for this ridiculous resolution. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It feels super lazy. It feels like they just didn't, I mean, I'm, I'm, but I'm assuming that's a Jacqueline mature choice. I think so. Um, but like, again, is that indicative of the kind of literature that Oprah was recommending at the time? It seems very, seems, yeah. I mean, Apparently. it seems very beneath Oprah. Meanwhile, yes. meanwhile, yeah, yeah. I may have, if I were adapting this, just made the decision for as soon as I got Whoopi on board, who yep. plays a great cop. I love her as a cop. The player, she's an player. amazing cop she's, in the play. She's always great. She's always she's great. awesome. She's Whoopi. Um, if, uh, as soon as I got her on board and I kept her as a character throughout the nine year jump, all she has to do is say, we've located Ben. It doesn't have to be this ridiculous fucking shit. They have him fingerprinted. This kid could have been arrested for all you fucking know. He could like, but, but it's not that hard. And then it could have been Celine or Celise or whoever, or whatever the girl's name is who stole him. But yeah, but, uh, but at that point, there is no there there is no win here because it's Deus Ex Machina. You know, Candy Bliss at some point is like, I didn't find him, you found him. She didn't find him. No. The, the Plymouth Rock landed on them. Yeah, it's, you know? it's 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 a crazy first of all, it must have happened in the book. But the idea with, of with the all kid due just, respect to Malcolm X. You think that's the first time he's been mentioned in the same breath as Deep End of the Ocean? You know, I mean it's I, it, it's such it's such a good line and it's such a good idea and it's too bad that like i can't really use it but i'll use it here on podcast yeah it works on this episode i I, the kid just showing up to mow the lawn the 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 mere coincidence of it is completely unnecessary to your point kenny there's any number of ways and also it makes candy bliss look bad at her job so like you could you you could this way make her look good at her job and have her say i found your kid exactly and it's crazy but like it's such a weird element that they do in the film, which I'm guessing is also in the book, that Vincent recognizes him yeah, months, yes. if not years yeah. earlier, and says nothing Doesn't about say anything. it. Makes no sense. It's like it's like that's some real like deep seated anger at a child you yeah. lost in the first place, Vincent. <laughs> that's some I, good I, son shit. At that I point, you have yeah. to consider oh. you have to consider dropping him off a cliff. Seriously, can I just say like, too though that like. Part of the problem with the tone of this film, right? And and listen, we're watching this film in 2021 through obviously we're putting it under a microscope. But still, because of the tone and, and the way that the film is laid out, it makes these things so much louder, right? Like yes. these things pop out at you because of the way that the film is structured. There's many movies that Kenny and I have watched over the course of this podcast that have all sorts of crazy buys but because of the the ride and us signing up and being like you know what i'm, I'm fine with it i'll turn a blind eye this when the fucking kid shows up and you're just like what what 
Like, okay. well, right. here's the thing. This movie is uh, is made for dummies <laughs> and tells you exactly what it is at all times. Uh, right. It's all exposition. There's absolutely yeah. no subtext in this movie. Right. Um, because of that, it's a very, very easy watch, right? Yes, so it's maybe yes. the least challenging watch we've had all year. For sure. And I think that's sure. part of why I like it because I watch this, <laughs> I watch this from 5 a.m. to 7, 7 a.m. a morning when one of my yeah. children wake me up super early. And it was not, it was exactly what I needed. I didn't sure, look at sure. my phone a lot, but you're totally right, Phil. Like, because everything is so easy to understand, so easy yeah. to digest, when things don't make sense, you have that little, like, yeah, you're like, wait, what? <laughs> this is the movie that's supposed to like put me on a put me on a little, right. you know, moving sidewalk and just take me where I need to go. Like, I don't want to walk. Like, I don't like I don't want to so do I, any I work to, here. <clears throat> I'm trying to figure out your failures. So there, the, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the moment when she's drugged by the EMTs, but I do want to just state two other things that happen in that moment. The first is she pulls out a laughably large photograph of Ben from her purse that is like the size of a fucking like, like I don't magazine. even know what. It's gigantic. She, then, she did some modeling for JCPenney. Here is. It's gigantic. <laughs> she sees it. She starts to cry. She then bites Pat's hand yeah, to the that, point oh, of it bleeding absurd. and then she gets fucking drugged. It's a crazy moment. But again, in a book, that would all probably feel very normal, right? Because yes. you'd be like, yes. she put, and like the biting even makes sense yes. in yes. the context of of, sure, sure. Like words, but like on screen, she looks like we're back in Wolf. Her, yeah. her and Jack Nichols. Yeah. Yes. Wolf is another good one, by the way. Oh, Wolf's that a last good movie. shot of her and that that last she's shot so of Michelle Pfeiffer and Wolf is probably the best she's ever looked on screen in she's any given moment. So unbelievably hot in that movie. Oh, it's ridiculous. My God, it's like um, that and Lady Hawk. <laughs> so I, I want to ask uh, a question. I'm going to direct this towards you, Jarrett, for, for a quick question here. What are your okay. thoughts about Candy Bliss being gay um, and, and sort of just saying it, again, totally obviously yeah. fine with it, but it's unprompted. It kind of comes out right. of nowhere, and then they do nothing with it. Again, that felt like something that was a relic of the book, right? The idea right, right. that if they had spent, if they had explored that character in any way, shape, or form, it would make sure, sense, sure, you know. Sure. Like, so I kind of liked it because I feel, right. but although I do feel like that was like, oh, we're edgy. There's like a black lesbian in this movie, um, yes. or I mean, what I would actually prefer, frankly, is to find out that. In the book, Candy is not a black lesbian. And Whoopi Goldberg said, please make this character a black a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be really interesting. I think it's she might have throw, we know. I don't know. I haven't read the book. I, I, I think if I think about it from like a function perspective, it feels like really the only moment of personal connection that Bethy is Bethy yes. has in the film with a new person. And yes. it does kind of explain why Candy is at, you know, the family's restaurant 15 years later. Like maybe they're actually friends. <laughs> right, um, right. So it does, it does give you that indication that there's a deeper connection there, but it is very strange. Um, and also just, the way it happens is so weird that she like recoils and then has yeah. this long explanation yeah. about like, yeah. I don't want women to think I'm coming on to them. So it's, it's interesting as much, as much as Kenny was just saying, you know, there's not a lot of subtext in that interaction <laughs> about <laughs> Candy revealing herself as a Correct. lesbian, right? She Correct. physically jumps away from a, a white woman and then tells her she's <laughs> her whole story. Yes. I, it's, it's because I want to have sex yeah. with you, but I can't. 
Uh, Which, by the way, I mean, it's it Michelle would, Pfeiffer. I understand, but um, you know. I, I understand. I, <laughs> I think I think it's um, I think I, I I think that what they needed mm. was not so much the fact that she's gay, more the fact that she gave this little speech to Michelle Pfeiffer about how all eyes are on me at all times. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because I have ascended to a level where I'm everybody's boss in here and everybody uh-huh. basically wants me to fail. Um, or, you know, it's assuming I'm failing when I'm not failing. Mm-hmm. Where, like, to, to get to a moment where that mattered moving forward, I think is yeah. what any other movie would have done. But not that you have to do it. Like, it's, oh, I, I think it's fine. And frankly, like in, in 1999, you know, not the guy to say this, but representation matters. And it, it is better to just normalize this shit anyway. 100, you know, yeah. In, in terms sure, of just sure. like throwaway shit, like it's, yeah. that's a better thing. And to your point, Jared, it's even cooler if it wasn't in the book. But, you know, there is, there is some potential narrative function of her in that position that she alludes mm-hmm. to that could have come back in a way that we could have had a victory moment. Yeah, I mean, I, I, even I, like, had, I have an issue with the way that it was kind of just... I, I, I yeah. guess I don't have an issue at all with it, quite frankly. It's more about the fact that it comes back to subtext, right? It comes back to like, did we have to overtly say it? Uh, could yeah. it have not just kind of been there in subtext? But I mean, that's not what this movie is. So I mean, it's, it's for dummies, it. Phil. You have to remember. It's, I got to remember. It's right. a movie for dummies. Dummies like me. There's another yeah. throwaway line that I don't know if you guys caught at one point where um, they're at the restaurant, I believe, and Vincent picks up the phone. And the dad says yeah. something about a bookie operation. Yeah. <laughs> but like, <laughs> not as a I joke. Love, I'm very into like generalized teenage badness. You know, like anything that's like, right. a, like, a, like some like general mischief a teen can get into, Vincent gets into. <laughs> it just, it, to me, I was just like, did I hear that right? Did they just throw away this like generalized criminal behavior? <laughs> I I was under the impression it was like it was like he was on the phone talking with his friends from back home and the dad was like oh don't make make sure you're not talking to your bookie I don't know like weird that's what I like, thought it was jokes. but it's not uh, a dad joke because no, Trent says it totally fucking straight Free. like tisk tisk none of that bookie shit wasn't my bookie it was it was my graffiti partner. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know that Treat Williams was like maybe giving you the proper levels in that scene. That might I be. Still that feel might like be. It. It that might be. It. Yeah, oh, there might be a dad joke. <laughs> Treat Williams was like. Joke. It, I don't know. Treat Williams. I mean, has he ever felt like the first choice in a film? No. Like, no. I, I, like, have you ever seen a movie and said, "Oh, I'm so glad they got Treat for this"? No. It's like they went down the list of the people they yeah. couldn't get and wound up with someone very serviceable. Yeah, I'm Brady always into those guys. Who were like, yeah, well, he's an Everwood guy. He was certainly a TV, a TV guy. Uh, yeah. I like, I'm very into those guys who are like handsome enough to be leading men, but not good mm-hmm. enough actors. Right. So they're always playing the guy yeah. handsome enough to date or marry the beautiful leading lady. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, like to me, that was like what Dermot Maroney was, right? Right, 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 right. Yes. He's, and by the way, I think, Treat I think is, Dylan is, McDermott is that too, frankly, when he's in movies. 
But he's not really in movies. He's not really in movies. But, he, <laughs> but I, I he mean, was in Steel Magnolias. It's anyone who's ever you're gonna go to 1987. You're gonna go to 1987. Well, he's good in wedding. <laughs> Anybody? No, no, I'm talking about Dylan now. Anybody oh, sorry, sorry. who's ever Dylan dated or married Julia Roberts Julia in a movie Roberts. where yes. she wasn't in a like yes. an obvious two hander, where it yeah. was like her right. movie, yeah. falls into yes. this category. A hundred. I agree with that. I agree with that. So, like Aaron Eckhart's a good one. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah, the best. So you asked the question earlier, uh, and I, I, I agree. I don't know why Whoopi's still hanging out with them. It's never really explained other than that <laughs> they don't want her to just resurface later to be like, I fucked up Maybe, on the bad cop yeah, and I don't know where right. your son is. Oh, wait, you but found it, him. He's on your front lawn. But it is weird that in that scene, right, she talks about being the boss, being the boss, being the boss. And then in that scene, there's just a white man telling her to calm down because, like, you're going to, well, you're yeah. going off crazy. It's like, were there demotions in that time? I don't know. It seemed weird to have her, like, be answering to a, someone after that entire setup about everything else. Yes, I, I agree on, on all fronts. The only way that we know there's a passage of time is then the recasting of the kids. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, their house, their, their, Faces, their clothes, everything stays exactly the same. You would have no idea that a decade had passed. There, there are. I will say there are some very right. The first part's eighty five, right? Like the very the yeah. The, the I will say there are some very nineteen eighty five clothes on some extras when they're walking into that hotel. There's a woman. Who, there's a woman who walks out of the hotel in black high heels and a full body purple jumpsuit that really just is great. It's great. You know. But otherwise, yes. Yeah. You know, the, the 80s thing that is kind of crazy to me is the casual use of shoulder pads in shirts. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Like normal women, not not fashion forward. You know, not we're not talking that's about Iman you, here. That's just walking did. around. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just watched summer school and Kirstie Alley oh, is yeah. teaching school. In a denim shirt with shoulder pads, <laughs> like it's not a big deal. <laughs> I, have, I have distinct memories of my mom wearing a t-shirt and being able to see shoulder pads t-shirt. under the t-shirt. The t-shirt they were like built in. This is what, what you is did because you people? needed you needed bigger shoulders from 1983 to 1987. You had to have the largest shoulders possible. And why? It was why? a law. It was a law. It was a law. Um. So speaking of the law, for the the second, uh, when when they find out that they think that they know what house he's in, the the FBI Uh, and Candy Bliss, the the fact that they let Beth go with them is insane. They would never have let Beth charge into a house with a fucking warrant. (laughs) But thank God they did, because no one would have put it together what happened otherwise. This is also true. I mean, like, put... Put Bethy on the police force. She's wasting her skills in photography. <laughs> Finds the kid, identifies the culprit in minutes. Like I, I completely man. agree. And then we have Candy the scene where, where where Whoopi just dumps all of the information from a kitchen table and just <laughs> oh. says, like, so here's what happened. Um, yeah. you know, let's there's no reason to unpack this in any, you know, effective way. I'm just gonna barf out all of this exposition because it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it's what it is. Uh we talked well, about be, the dance be, scene, but because yeah. I mean, of course, you had all the all the expo- here's the thing for me. Yeah. All that exposition, obviously very, you know, like kind of inelegantly laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, very important to get the ending we that the the movie wanted you to get, which was that this guy's a good guy. 
Like it, like th- this, sure. that, that that dad number two is a good guy, and um, and and frankly, what frankly, that's what I really liked about this movie was uh, that it went all the way to the kid coming back, and then gave you another act of the kid acclimating when he had a perfectly enjoyable, happy life somewhere else with a guy who seems like a good dad. Um, that I thought, and I'm sure this is in the book, but. To me, that's that's the that's the interesting kind of moment. That's the interesting kind of moment that the movie gives you. What would have been really great in the miniseries in our minds is are the nine years where this family is trying yes, to figure out how yes. to move forward. Right. Yes. But again, you can't do that. Every aspect of this little every of this movie yeah. could have made for a really interesting miniseries that we're gonna write. Yeah, okay. it's great. But but I, I really just it comes back to sort of what well, we were saying. Are deep end of the ocean? The we're gonna do deep for real? Yeah, we're going to do a mini series. Oh great. my god, we're crazy! I, I just, I, <laughs> this is the craziest one we've ever tried. But I do think that like that was <laughs> you, the and Jared. You wouldn't believe what Phil and I are actively working on. <laughs> we'll, right we'll tell now. you when we're done recording. It'll be great. Uh, we're we're de- actively developing two things. Yeah. Anyway, oh, but we'll yeah. talk about it when At we're not. Well, three, three but, now, three, three now. now. That's right. Um, but I, but I, but I do think it comes back to sort of the the overwhelming feeling I had watching this was I don't necessarily have a problem with what's happening on screen. It's how it's happening on screen. Yeah, like it's just. I agree. It's it's not even that the movie. It's not even that that, that the 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 players are bad. It's just why are we doing it like this? It's just very strange. Um, so, you know, as we mentioned, they dance at the Italian restaurant. Um, you know, there's there's conflict. They eventually decide that they're going to let the kid go back to, to dad number two um, because there's too much conflict in the house. The kid eventually comes back. But there is an interesting argument that, that, that transpires between Beth and Pat, where Beth is like, we got to let him go back. He wants to go back to, uh, to dad number two. Um, and Treat saying, I'm not losing my son again. That's a, that's a good conflict that I don't think they really make as much hay out of as they could have. Um, but again, like, so, you know, that's kind of this movie, which is sort of skirting on the surface of things and, and not necessarily going as deep as they could have. Um, yeah, I mean, and then, and then, you know, Vincent, oh, right, Vincent goes to prison. Um, but wh- why is he, what's he, what is he arrested for? I forget what it, he's arrested for. I kind of do too, like tagging or but Was he something? a bookie? Booking. Yeah. No, he no, he was I know he was drunk because he was asked if he was drunk. He may have been something with a car. Okay. Something car related. But they go to the they go to the jail. The the, the thing about this, and I and this is emblematic of the film as a whole, which is that serious shit is happening and it's being played very chill. This kid's in jail. Kid is kidnapped. Everything's just very chill. Found new kid who might be old kid. All of it's just played at the same levels. So you're just like, what am I supposed to really be invested in? What am I really supposed to care about? It's not great. Um, anyway, long story short, Vincent gets out of jail. Sam comes back. Ben comes back, however, whatever you want to call him. He comes back. They play basketball together. It's a great scene. It's actually a really nice, like, considering that it was not the end of the, uh, the, that the end of the book is a lot more ambiguous, doesn't really kind of wrap it all up with a bow. This movie kind of finds a way to have its cake and eat it too, in a way that I was kind of surprised worked as well as it did, going into it knowing that there were problems with this production. So um, what did you think of the ending, Kenny? Or, this is the- or Jared, please. 
No, no, I have I have a question. I want to hear this first. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the only ending for the movie, um, right? Right. Yeah, it's the only ending for the movie. This is not. I, I saw. Did you guys see what the original ending was? Uh, I uh, maybe not specifically. What did the, what was the original ending? The original ending apparently was that Ben confesses to uh, Bethy that he has suicidal thoughts, which is yeah, I think you know, that's in the book. Right? That's a rough ending. That's an ending like that's okay. not the ending for this movie. The ending for this movie is everybody comes together yeah, yeah. and does what's best for the kid, including yeah. Vincent, and everyone's going to be okay. Because again, this is not a challenging movie. This is this movie. This movie isn't everything's going to work out okay type movie to the point where the kid falls on them. The kid is like dropped from heaven on them. Yeah. So uh, that, I, 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 again, Movies for dummies. As a proud dummy, I'm happy with this ending. Okay. What do you got, Jared? What were you gonna say, Jared? We should well, we should just be on the ending, we should just be glad it didn't end with them all doing that Italian dance again together. Like bringing in (laughs) Sam, bringing in Sam's other dad. Oh my god. Bringing Brenda Strong back and just going around the block. Uh, But wait, Brenda Strong is where is she in this? I saw her credit, but is she in it for like She's the friend, she's the best, best friend. She's the friend in the beginning. She's the best friend in the beginning. She's the one who gets on the thing friend. and says, "May I have everyone's attention, oh, course, please? We're missing her son." I love, uh, I love Brenda Strong. She's like, yeah, she's, she's amazing. He looks really hot in this too. Yeah. yeah, like, well, this was like probably around the time she was on Seinfeld, right? And she was the braless wonder. Right? Yeah, yes, yes. This is by she's, like this circa she, that. Yes, yeah, it was. And she's like, yeah, she, what's her name? I forgot. But she's the one who got married too in the backwards day, right? Um, <laughs> I remember. But I, don't, I can't go that deep on Seinfeld. But she, uh, yes, I, Michelle was very. It was very real life that Michelle Pfeiffer being hot. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer only had hot oh, friends. Oh, of course, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Which is all the high school why, friends were just tens. Yes, which is also why Cecile stole her child because she didn't. Be, she wasn't part of the hot club. Growing correct, up. No. correct. No, and um, they were making what, fun of her. They're like, oh, yeah, she's in a, right. she's in a commercial. She's, what a she's loser! Got black hair. She's gonna, you know. <laughs> Okay, here's my question. Yeah. And this may be very stupid because I don't think they say it in the film. What is the deep end of the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> A very, very good question. Uh, like, one that is not answered in the film. Not only yeah, that. Like, what is that? Not only that. Ben, the, the, like, the... All right, so <laughs> when they when my name is Earl was on the was on the tube. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. When my name is Earl was on the tube, I've yes. talked about this before. In yes, the the opening credits of My Name Is Earl, he had his list of stuff, and his list of stuff was always stupid. Except there was one thing that clearly they're like, "We're going to do this episode," which is cost dad the election. Oh, interesting! Cost dad the election. Tell me more about that. They do that in this a little bit when she's explaining about Ben. She's like, "He's he's a red hat. So what? He's deathly afraid of the water." I'm like. Oh, oh. Um, okay. Yeah. We're gonna get uh, to the deep end of the ocean. Yeah. What? Okay. Why did they? Why that's did they good, drop? That's a good. You paid a lot more attention that's, to this movie than I did. Well, but yeah, I don't even. But I'm not. It. I'm not giving the movie credit for that. That no, seems know, like for like half a second they're like we should give some specifics. Mike gets afraid of the water, but in a movie called The Deep End of the Ocean, I was sure this was foreshadowing, but no, yeah. it was not. I mean, like, uh, like obviously, there's some sort of like emotional metaphor happening, but I don't even know that I really get what that's supposed to be. Like, is 
is Bethy trapped in the deep end of the ocean? Emotion? I, I, like, I just, there I, is I don't know. no deep end of the ocean. That's not the I way mean, the ocean works, Beth. I have, e. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's all very, <laughs> it, I, was, well, but, I was waiting for it, but okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one I feel better. Thinking. No, I, I certainly didn't get it. I appreciate that Kenny was able to, to glean um, something. Well, from I mean, it. I mean, listen. He he heard the word water and was like, "Well, that's got to be it." So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah. No, I mean, that's that's fair. <laughs> it is a title though that's perfect for this movie, and by that oh, I mean it's sure. kind of a meaningless title, forgettable yes. that yeah. doesn't really yes. exist. Kind it's of like perfect. this movie. Um, let's rate this film because then I have two questions for you, uh, Jarrett. I'm going to put you on the spot, okay. but it's, it's going to be great. Oh, I I'm gonna, um, I have a question you know, for you, you know. too, Jarrett. Oh, great. So three okay, questions. Great. I'm so ready. Uh, okay, cool. So I, before this podcast, I didn't see this film in 99. Before this podcast, I was at a 40 for this film, and I'm pretty much at the same. Like, I don't think it's a fucking terrible movie. I don't think it's like, as, as Kenny texted me, we've done far worse films uh, in, in 1999. It's not a film I'd recommend to people to watch. It's not a film that I will probably ever think about again until we adapt it, obviously. But... Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which are often the kinds of films we, we do adapt. It's always these. <laughs> it's always these movies. We're like, that's pretty stupid. But we could do. We could. We could do a movie. We, we, we could do, do it. Um, so I'm what, still what, there. I'm, I'm like a. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what's amazing is when you guys do adapt this, they're going to pull up this podcast and use it in every interview that you give about <laughs> yeah. your project, talking about the original film. Because yeah. this yeah. is the inception point. This is the moment yeah, when we exactly. decided we were going to wow. do it. This is, this is your story. On, this is your yeah, story. It's, it's all on, cam- on mic and camera. <laughs> so I'm at a 45, Kenny. Where, where are you at? Oh, 45? Yeah, or 40. 40. 40, sorry, 40. 40. Uh, I gave it a 70 before this. Whoa! Um, I mean, look, I wrote not much to dig into, very surface, but kept my attention, did its job. Not a bad movie. Uh, I'm going down, but you know where I'm going to go, Phil? Where? Into the the 50s. 50s? You're never in the 50s. You hate the 50s. I'm going to give it a 55. Okay. I'm going to give it a 55. It's a 55. I I can handle it. I actually think it's it's a pretty okay movie. I think it's a pretty dumb movie. Um, I don't really, you know, I don't really want my my name on the poll quote for this, but uh, <laughs> except for the poster for the HBO miniseries, that's, when we that's do right. It. I don't yeah, want my like, yeah, I yeah. I, doing I, it. De- <laughs> developed by Kenny Nybart. Cool, not a bad movie, Kenny Nybart. Please, please don't. Um, but okay, fifty five, Jared. What do you got? What about you, Jared? I mean, I I definitely saw it when it came out. I remember hating it, but also <laughs> me at. Me at 17 is not the ideal demographic for this film. Um, so I would put it probably in like a 49. Okay. okay. A little, little below Michelle's average, but really gets there solely based on the strength of her performance. Yeah. I mean, it should be said, you know, early on when we did Story of Us, I really hated Story of Us. I, yeah. I really, and, and, and in hindsight, I think I've been too hard on Story of Us. Uh-huh. I don't think Story of Us is a good movie. But I think I gave it like a 12. Like, I really gave it wow. the gears. And okay. I think gave that now, <laughs> having seen this, yeah, I, I, I got to say, Story of Us is better than I gave credit to at the time. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not changing my score necessarily. It's not a good say. movie. It's not a good it's movie. It's a very bad movie. It's a bad movie. Yeah. It's a very bad movie. Because yes. I, the other yes. thing about this movie is, like, I actually kind of think this movie takes place on Earth. Yes. Where where yeah. story of us takes place on some other <laughs> planet where you like fl- flirt with people in your office by like putting on funny costumes, right? You're, you know, <laughs> it's like you know, it's like look, I'm 
crazy scissor nose. Fall in love with me. Um, all right. I, but what I, are, we, I, what I are the questions, Phil? Wait, well, hold I, on. Just, let me, I just want to piggyback on that very, very, very briefly because I, I know you, you have somewhere to go. Yeah. But on, on, the, on the story of us, Compote and Kenny, I do agree with you that like... Look, what is this? I'm from Star Trek. Oh my God. Uh, I, I'll Don't just you say love this. me? <laughs> I'll just say this. Story of Us doesn't take place on Earth. The crazy monologue that Michelle Pfeiffer gives at the end of Story of Us it's is one of the worst so moments. W- insane. Um, at least so she is a human her. in this movie from yeah. credits to credits and I, right. and I commend her for that. Okay, so my two questions for you are Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> I will oriented your questions. upper half only. Um, two very, very uh, quick but on the spot Michelle Pfeiffer questions for okay. you. The first... What is your favorite Michelle Pfeiffer performance? What okay. is your favorite Michelle Pfeiffer movie? Okay. My favorite Michelle Pfeiffer movie. Yes. And when I say Michelle Pfeiffer movie, I mean yes. like the film is a yes, Michelle the whole Pfeiffer thing. film. Yes. 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 Up close and personal. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're the coolest. This is why. This is why we're so happy why. to have you on. You're the coolest person I know. I saw that movie in the theater and thought it was like the greatest thing ever. And I can't believe that like the world really? doesn't think that's a good movie. I don't get it. It's like, Kenny, I remember, so I, remember, I remember every beat of that film. It's so good. First of all, and I've it has it the from- good Celine Dion movie song it, too. Thank you. And it's got Robert Redford. He's amazing. Stalker Channing. So incredible. I've, I've seen never seen movie. it. I need to watch I, it. Clearly. Oh, oh, then I, I won't, mean, t- I won't give away the end. Don't ending, ruin it. Yeah. Fucking I'll powerful. It. It okay. is. I, I remember her time. name. It was Tally Atwater. Bro, <laughs> I am right there with you. I love you, Kenny. So that's my, <laughs> that, so that's my favorite Michelle Pfeiffer movie because it's really a film that's built on her, right? If if someone had put a gun to my head, that would not have been the movie I would well, thought you were going to Listen, say. so there you go. That's, there you go. That's, okay. on, that's on you. you, that's you, on would, you would, Phil, I think you'd like it. In a, I'm sure I would. In, I'm going to watch it well, I think you. I think you'd like it in a Remember It Was Made in 1997 type yes, way, course, but yes, like, I think yes. you really would like it. Okay. Great. And when you after you watch it, there's a crazy backstory that I'll tell you about. Great. Um, my, my, okay, so my favorite performance is a tie between... Obviously, Batman Returns, because how can you not love that? But, like, also, Married to the Mob, I think, is probably one of Michelle Pfeiffer's best performances. It's so, it's so odd, and it's so unlike anything she's ever done. The scene where she screams, we're getting a divorce. It's just, it's so, (laughs) like, this crazy character that she's so good at embodying, and it's weird physical comedy, and Matthew Modine is great, and Mercedes Rule is, like, Oh, unbelievable Dean Stockwell. Yeah. oh my god so good so yeah Married to the Mobs probably my Break favorite off. non-Catwoman Michelle Pfeiffer and, and the, I would say too I rewatched it relatively recently as well and I wish she did more stuff like that Oh, because like the Demi podcast, yeah, yeah, like she just yes, took the swing too. she went fully into it and she's so good but yeah I will say there's a lot of that sensibility in one fine day that gets obviously damped down by the big like big budget rom-com of it all mm-hmm. but like like melanie parker does have weird foibles that are very very elevated and not in the exact same way because i don't sure. really think it's the on par film but mm-hmm. elements of that but she almost never does comedy which I is know. a downer because yeah. she's really, really good at it. You know? Well, that's why I thought French Exit was so great, which is that she was doing yes. something very darkly comedic and she really kind of like locked into it. But She, she should it, have like gotten half of the roles Holly Hunter got. It's like, yeah, I, I yes. just, uh, nothing yeah. against Holly Hunter, of course, of course, you know, national treasure, yeah. but like 
it just felt like Holly Hunter's <laughs> career is really interesting role after really interesting role after really interesting role. And a lot of them could have been done by Michelle Pfeiffer. I know? would agree. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah, I, yeah. The only, yeah. Um, um, so I, 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 I honestly can't thank you enough for coming on here to talk about. Oh this my movie. god! I, uh, I mean, I would do this alone in my apartment to myself. At least this way, I don't look insane <laughs> talking about deep into the ocean for an hour and a half alone. <laughs> we 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 truly appreciate it. Um, we love um, uh, oh, yeah, talking with you about about obviously anything so um, can't wait to have you back in the future yes right. please um, can we book can we get the quality yes, of the film yes. on the 100 percent. the quality so will be way. on the upswing we'll get you on the 89 pod yeah we'll get you on the 89 nothing but quality on there it's oh, wow. on the page okay. um, but uh uh so thank you so so much for for, yeah, for being on here and doing that one last thing please rate review and subscribe uh speaking of subscribing check out our patreon on all the best films of 1989 batman when harry met sally fabulous baker boys indiana jones and the last crusade ghostbusters 2 field of dreams major league and many many more we are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like joanna robinson liz hannah Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.